This podcast is brought to you by Most Valuable Podcasts, leading the league in podcasting entertainment. Welcome in, my friends, to another episode of Behind the Pen. My name is Mike Rankin, and I will be your host for today's show, and I'm by myself. And you would think, wow, Rankin, why are you by yourself? You're so entertaining with other people. Well, guess what? I'm going to be entertaining on my own today. And it's probably a good thing because I got tons of built-up hot takes to just explode into your earlobes that go through your nerve endings into your brain so you can register it. Now, I hope your brain is competent enough to understand where I'm coming from. And I'm going to preview it in a minute. But first, I got to take care of some necessities here. First, Patreon.com backslash most valuable podcast. Guys, what we have going here at MVP is pretty good, well, in my opinion. And this is not biased in any means. But our last Patreon podcast, which is exclusive to Patreons, you have to become a Patreon to listen to this. It was Mark, Ricky, and I, and we had a we had a great time pretending we were in high school again, playing Would You Rather. Ricky stole the show. It was a lot of fun. Hope you guys who are patrons can enjoy that. Future patrons, enjoy it because it was a good time. Also, what we do for you if you become a patron is entertain you more so than we already do. Obviously, you can subscribe to us on YouTube at Most Valuable Podcast, but if you become a patron, you help us get better at what we do. And hopefully, to this point, you are satisfied with our product. If you're not, that's fine. Whatever. But follow me also on Twitter at Rankin906. That's where all the good content is. But today, I'm probably going to keep this podcast a little shorter than normal, only because it is July 28th as I record this, and we are in the midst of the baseball season, trade season specifically, and August 1st will be the deadline, and what I want, what I have planned really is to just react to all of the trades that go down and kind of break them down once they've happened. I'm not going to sit here and rattle off all these hypotheticals, even though there's enough information to maybe foresee where players are going to go. I'm just going to take that on the wayside for now. I'm just going to leave it be, and then we're going to come up with something on the trade deadline. So I hope you guys can stay tuned for that. Now today, 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 if you haven't really been paying attention to Behind the Pen, if you're a first-time listener, thank you, welcome in. But you guys who have been listening and, and reacting and commenting and sharing... You guys know that I'm a Cub fan, and um, I think you guys know where I'm going with this one. The Chicago Cubs made a deal to acquire one of the most dominant pitchers in all of baseball, and I uh, I have mixed feelings on it. Let's let's put it that way. So I'm going to get into it. I'm going to talk about the Roldis Chapman trade. Hopefully, I entertain you enough. But all right, let's let's get into this conversation because it's it's really been bugging me. It, it really has over the last few days, ever since the trade. Now, I want to preface this by saying that I was against them going after Chapman, and I know I might get bashed for that thought, only because he's so damn good, but it's just, I have my reason. So, okay. The Cubs could have gone several different different ways to bolster their bullpen, and it was obvious they needed to make moves. They traded for Mike Montgomery, and the guy that they got rid of was Dan Vogelbach, and a lot of people were high on him, despite the fact the Cubs really didn't have a spot for him defensively. He has value. And all they got Mike Montgomery, young, cost-controlled, not, well, 27 years old. I, that's kind of young. Cost-controlled left-handed pitcher, filled a need there. Except he hasn't been good since be, being 
acquired by the Chicago Cubs, but I'm sure he'll even it out eventually. I, at least I hope. I, I, I wanted to bring up the Vogelbach thing just to continue on to where this conversation is going to go because there's, there's kind of a pattern here. Anyway, the Aroldis Chapman deal. They traded Gleyber Torres, Adam Warren, Billy McKinney, and Rashad Crawford for Aroldis Chapman. Now you say, wow. The Yankees just got a great return. Gleyber Torres is automatically the New York Yankees' top prospect. Adam Warren was acquired in the Starling Castro trade. So, literally, the Cubs traded Castro for Brendan Ryan, who was immediately DFA'd, and Adam Warren, who's back on the Yankees. They got really they got nothing for, for Castro. In the end, they netted Chapman, but they just gave them Castro for pretty much nothing. Continuing on, you, bring, you you take Gleyber Torres, who, like I said, is the, just just plugs in as the top Yankees prospect in their system. Granted, the Yankees don't have many prospects that are deemed good because Billy McKinney is all of a sudden their fourth best, so that's not good. But the Cubs got the best reliever in the game, next to Diaz of Seattle. Rollis Chapman throws 100 and dominates opposing hitters. The one thing that I really do like about this deal, and it's, man, I am going to be so contradicting here in this podcast because I have so many different, uh, I'm so mixed up about this. Because, of course, Aroldis Chapman has those domestic violence charges. And I I know people who are victims of domestic violence. I know people whose parents were among those who suffered from domestic violence Mentally, physically, it's terrible. And I take that very seriously. So let's back it up. Aroldis Chapman. The charges were in the offseason that he allegedly choked his girlfriend. They were in a garage, I believe. And Chapman shot eight rounds of his gun as warning shots. He wasn't charged. They were dropped. He was fine. Major League Baseball suspended him for 30 games. Came back with the Yankees. No reported issues. I guess he was just doing his own thing and, you know, he was staying out of trouble. Just picked up right where he left off. Dominant as ever. Yankees reaped the benefits of him to gain a top prospect, a top infielder in Gleyber Torres, who will be a mainstay for them for a long time. And also they got some... Decent value for a rental. There were rumors that extension was on the table for Aroldis Chapman with the Cubs. Four years, 60 mil, I saw. That didn't happen. I'm sitting here scratching my head because a lot of things went down over the last few days that really didn't help me cope with the fact that Chapman's with the Cubs. Oh, believe me, for the baseball side of it, this is fantastic. If you just look at a guy who... Shows up at the ballpark, does his job, and then you totally forget the fact that he lives a normal life outside of Wrigley Field or wherever they're playing. That's fantastic. Not only did the Cubs gain the best reliever and is going to be automatically slotted as the ninth inning guy, at least during the regular season, they also kept him away from other National League contenders like the Nationals. So that that's probably the biggest gain. More so than just Chapman coming to the Cubs. So, what I'm getting at, really, because I have so many opinions. Look, I was disgusted 
with this trade. I was. I, I didn't want them. I thought the Cubs could fill the need elsewhere. I You know what? I thought that they could kill two birds with one stone because they do need another bat. And I'm not saying this bullpen is complete by any means. And I'm not saying getting a reliever that's not Chapman gets them to the level where they are now with him. I'm thinking to myself, look, you have an opportunity to get a Josh Reddick who's rumored to be on the market. You got a guy in Ryan Madsen, even Sean Doolittle on the A's that Billy Bean would likely be willing to part ways with. So why not make that move? You know, get Reddick and a reliever that's decent. I know Doolittle's having a terrible year, but Ryan Madsen's the guy I like a lot. He's been uh, he's been very good. He could automatically slot into your high leverage situation late in the game. That's where the, his value is. But instead, they went with, I need to get Chapman, the most dominant. You have a hole in the bullpen, and he fills it. In that sense, it's fantastic that the Cubs have the most dominant reliever in baseball. On the other side, the Chicago Cubs made it a point. Often. They often make it a point that they rely on character, high-character guys, and they, they really like the culture that they've established in the clubhouse. And I'm not saying Arolas Chapman is this cancer who's going to break it all up, just destroy this chemistry. But what you, what you get in return is a lot of baggage. And I understand Chapman was not found guilty here, but these are some serious allegations. Choking a woman, shooting, warning, freaking, oh, it, it just, it gets, it makes me sick. And they bring him in. But the due diligence of the Chicago Cubs organization, Tom Ricketts, Theo Epstein, Ricketts said that he went through the process. He said, you know, they looked at how he was with New York, how he was behaving in that clubhouse around the city, what he was as a teammate, and I guess he passed all the tests. Theo Epstein then. Now this is where it gets interesting. Theo Epstein calls Chapman and they talk about it and Epstein tells the press he himself did due diligence around Orola's Chapman. He also said that he spoke to Chapman and then he was in a, in a conversation over the phone that he was happy with. And here's a direct quote. Here's a direct quote from CBS 670, The Score, from Theo Epstein. As Epstein says, the trade was contingent on that conversation. If we had not been satisfied with what we heard from Aroldis, we would not have moved forward. And here's the kicker. He says, Aroldis was really heartfelt. Okay. Okay. Sure. Now, I'm not saying people don't make mistakes, but this is a damn different mistake than many others. So, yeah, I'm going to hold this against Chapman for the rest of his time as a Cub. And personally, I hope he's gone after the season. If he wins us a World Series, I'm not going to not cheer for him, obviously, because I want this more than a lot of things. I need the Cubs to win a World Series. And a lot of people do. And a lot of people are conflicted, are dealing with a lot of the same thoughts that I am. So... I hope that I can relate to some of you. But he said, Epstein said, Aroldis was really heartfelt. You want to hear something funny? If you haven't heard already, and if you've been following closely to this story, you probably have. Aroldis Chapman addressed the media the other day with all of Chicago media just swarming him. He had a translator in Henry Blanco. And what he said, he was asked about the conversation he had with Theo Epstein. 
Aroldis said that he woke up from a nap, and he doesn't remember the conversation he had with Epstein. Really? Really? That's your best answer for that question? Just talk about the fact that you're remorseful and that you want to be a good teammate. You want to help the Chicago Cubs win. That's all you got to freaking say. That's how you answer that question. Instead, he's like, oh, oh, I don't know. I don't know. I was groggy. I woke up from a nap and I can't. I just don't remember. Okay? Really? That's the best you can do? So... For those who are on the fence with the acquisition of Aroldis Chapman, that definitely did not help sway others' opinion. And it definitely didn't uh, swerve mine in any sense of the imagination. It didn't. And I'm going to be the biggest critic of Chapman from now on. I mean, ever since he was in conversations coming to the Cubs, I just didn't want it to happen. I didn't. But... As I, as I mentioned before, I, th- I felt like the Cubs had an opportunity to go a different route, and they didn't necessarily have to give up all this value for Chapman. I'm so torn about this Aurelis Chapman thing. Because Chapman comes in against the White Sox in his debut and just shuts the door. And that's probably what we're going to expect to see over the remainder of the regular season. And during the playoffs, they'll probably use him in the most high leverage of spots. And that's the smart thing to do. I kind of ranted a little bit, and I hope you forgive me for it. Overall, I just don't feel right about this trade. I don't like it, despite the fact that in a baseball sense, it's a fantastic move. At the same time, you're giving up all this talent for a rental, a rental reliever. He's going to hit free agency after this year. That's a fact. The Cubs, of course, have a chance to re-sign him, but I hope he gets the hell out. It doesn't come back. Because I can't stand the guy. I really cannot. And I have no sympathy for a person. Yeah, you could say he paid his dues, get over it. No, you have no idea the damage. Unless you're a victim of domestic violence. You do know how. Do not know the seriousness of it. The situations that not only affect the victim, but the people around the victim. Especially younger, younger children. It's, it, I just can't have any sympathy for this man and he walks around you know he's just going about his day and that's fine that's a fine way to live but I'm holding it against him and I don't want to keep bagging on Chapman but I got to bring up some stuff real quick and then I'll end this conversation I'm going to try and end it on a high note with Chapman there have been reports even Matt Latos I saw an article Matt Latos when he was with the Cincinnati Reds and Rolos Chapman was their closer he said the clubhouse wasn't run to standards of a Major League Baseball team, right? He said that their closer would sleep until the seventh inning. That was Chapman. Also, we can't forget about what happened in 2014 with Rizzo and Chapman. Chapman threw, I believe it was Nate Cheerholtz. He threw at Cheerholtz twice, twice at his head. And as he walked off the mound, as he struck him out, Chapman just waved his glove off to Rizzo. Rizzo reacted the following half inning by going up to the Reds' dugout and just jawing at him. And I guess that issue got resolved pretty quickly, but ever since that day, I've really, really despised Chapman, and now he's on my team. And now I'm forced to root for him. Because if I don't, I'm rooting against the Cubs winning, and I want that more than anything. And I guess so does Theo, because he just throws the culture thing, the whole... 
the whole push for positive character, he threw that out the door. As soon as he signed Chapman, that's gone. A lot of people, a lot of people are not going to root for the Cubs anymore this year. Suddenly they're the bad guy. One move makes you the bad guy. But I guess it's all justified if they win the World Series, right? I don't like it. I don't like it. I thought they could get more value for Gleyber Torres. They could look elsewhere, make smart, savvy moves that didn't involve Chapman. But at the end of the day, he's a Cub. He's going to do very good things on the field for them. And as much as I hate the idea of Aroldis Chapman, I guess we just got to live with it. Another conversation I want to start. And I brought up the Vogelbach thing. I talked about Gleyber Torres. talked about Castro. What the hell? What the hell? The one player that they got in return for those high-value caliber guys was Aroldis Chapman. That was it. And Mike Montgomery. Okay. Mike Montgomery is pretty decent. Only because he's he's controlled to like 2019 or 2020, something like that. That, like, I figured that with all of this value stored in the system, that they would be able to get a better return than what we've seen. They gave Castro away for nothing. And I'm you could argue that his value was was diminished, but he's still cost control 26, 27 years. He has tons of major league experience. And and there's flaws in his game. Yeah, he's probably a 270 hitter, 260 hitter now who doesn't walk or strikes out a lot. So what? So what? I thought the value for Castro would be more than a guy that they DFA'd and then they traded back. What I want to talk about here is with Theo Epstein, this is weird for me because I I love Epstein. I love what he's done. Epstein signed with the Cubs in the offseason after the 2011 season. So 2012 was his first year. We knew what we were getting into. We understood as Cub fans that the Chicago Cubs were not going to be competitive for a couple years at least, only because of how decimated this franchise had become. Really, they had no prospects at the time. Tyler Colvin was one of their top prospects. Starlin Castro was still considered a, a prospect, despite the fact that he made his debut the year before. It's just with Epstein, and I hate to question Epstein, but you look back, and yeah, he's fantastic in rebuilding an organization, replenishing the farm system, making the correct draft picks. Just overall, he's a smart guy. He knows how to build an organization to the top. We saw it in Boston, but really in Boston, he walked into a situation where they were ready to win. Epstein broke the curse. That's fantastic. But when the pressure was on and the Red Sox were good, they were maintaining their competitive streak, and they were going for another World Series, Epstein goes out and makes these big free agent signings like Adrian Gonzalez and Carl Crawford that really handcuffed the Red Sox for a few years after the fact. What I'm saying is, am I wrong to think that Epstein can't make the right moves when the Cubs are ready to win? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, he's all nice and safe building a team when they're bad because he has a good feeling. He has room for error then, but now he has to hit on these moves. He has to. Right now is the best chance for the Chicago Cubs to win a World Series probably ever. Right now, with their rotation, their lineup, even without Schwarber, their bullpen now with, with Chapman, this is the time to win. is going to be gone most likely, in my opinion, 
that's a different conversation. But he's got this year and next year under arbitration, and then he's a free agent. And I wouldn't pay him. He's gonna he's gonna be asking for like eight years, two hundred fifteen mil at least. So look, right now, Epstein, what you got for me? What you got? Whatever you feel morally about this man, well, we got him, and he's gonna help us win a World Series. So what I'm getting at is, can Theo Epstein make the right decisions when the when the pressure's on, when they're ready to win? Because let's not forget, and no general manager and team president is perfect, but we often look at Theo Epstein as this saint who doesn't make mistakes or doesn't do anything wrong. He's just, everything is great and happy. And no, really, he's made a few bad decisions in terms of player personnel. We can go back to the Ian Stewart trade in which they gave up Tyler Colvin. Who cares about Tyler Colvin? But gold glove and solid, solid second baseman DJ LeMahieu. You remember that one? Ian Stewart, let's talk about Ian Stewart real quick. Do you remember this? His fallout with the front office? He didn't, he barely played with the Cubs. It was awful when he did. And especially in his second year, that was just a disaster. That was a disaster. He got, he was hurt for all of his first season, came back the next season, got hurt again. And when he was ready to come back up, he was eligible to be reinstated to the big league club. They didn't bring him up because he was awful. He was hitting like 110 or something terrible in AAA. So Epstein's like, no, I'm keeping you down. And Ian Stewart bashes him, and then eventually he gets released. So one example. Also, Edwin Jackson, of whom the Cubs are still paying that contract. This is a final year, but still paying for it. Also, um, they kind of gave away Wellington Castillo for, like, nothing. Wellington Castillo, and you look at the catching situation now, they traded him for Miguel Montero, yeah, you see the decline in Montero's game, and I just I can't question Montero's value because he brings so much to the table. Except offensively this year, it's a glaring, glaring issue. Wellington Castillo, and I knew this as soon as they got rid of him. I knew Castillo would develop into the type of player that he is today because he we saw we saw him. He was developed throughout the Chicago Cubs system, and then they just got rid of him for a veteran catcher. So. Don't let Theo off the hook here. He's, as many of the good things that he's done, especially, oh boy, there's a lot of good things. Believe me, I'm a big Epstein fan. Don't get me wrong. But we can't just put this guy on a pedestal, especially after what went down with this Chapman trade that kind of goes against what the Cubs are building in terms of culture and character. All of a sudden, yeah, he's doing doing what he believes he has to do to win a World Series. Isn't that the ultimate goal? But kind of sold his soul to do it. Losing out on Glyber Torres for a rental Chapman with a history of domestic violence, I just I don't agree with it. And I hate to question you, my man, but it's just not what I thought would happen. Hey, baseball fans and fans of Most Valuable Podcast, I wasn't planning on doing this segment, um, but the Miami Marlins are a very interesting team in the National League this year, and I was going to actually save a topic like this one until after the trade deadline, but that's not how sports work. They don't work to appease me, so I'm going to appease you, the fan, by talking about the Miami Marlins because, my gosh, this team going into this season, and I had high expectations for them, but I didn't think they would be able to compete with the Mets and Nationals. I really didn't take them seriously. I thought that this would be a building year for them moving forward, but right now it looks like they're a playoff team, and I take them much more seriously than the Mets at this point, and 
it's kind of fun to follow along this Marlins team who are just a few years removed from that awful, awful rebuild that they were forced to go through. They had to get rid of Ozzie Guillen. They had all these moves, Mark Burley. They signed all these guys. Now they're doing it as the Marlins do it, and that's come up out of nowhere and just kick ass. Remember in 97 and even in 03, this is how the team goes for it all. And I bring up the Marlins because they were just involved in a trade. Yesterday, I believe it was, they, as I record this podcast, they traded for Andrew Kashner, Colin Ray, Tehran Guerrero, and some cash in exchange for Carter Caps, Jared Cozart, Josh Naylor, first base prospect, and a minor league pitcher, Luis Castillo. Now, I'm going to break down all these names and I'm going to break down the trade and who won, who lost, whatever, real quick. But I'm just really looking forward to this Miami Marlins playoff push because I very, very much take them seriously. I look at the standings. They're in second place in the NL East, five games behind the Nationals as I record this. They are currently tied with the St. Louis Cardinals in the second spot of the wild card in the National League. And I truly believe they're going to be in it to the end. It's interesting, though, because one of their main positions of need this season really focused within their starting rotation. Because Jose Fernandez, he's going to be on an innings limit. They're going to, they're just, they, he's in a similar situation. The Marlins are in a similar situation as the Mets were with Matt Harvey and the Nationals were with Steven Strasburg a few years ago. It's going to be interesting to see if the Marlins are going to be ballsy enough to put Fernandez in these big spots, even if he does eclipse 180 innings. Keep an eye on that. However, they went this offseason, made a made a pretty sneaky, savvy signing by giving Wei-Yin Chen a contract because he can be one of those consistent guys at the t- top of the rotation and give you innings, give you a chance to win almost every time out. Currently dealing with an injury, so they have to be able to fill that void, but all of a sudden... You trade for Andrew Kashner, and prior to the Andrew Kashner trade, you go out and get a Fernando Rodney to bolster that bullpen with a bullpen that's actually one of the best in baseball, quietly. Marlins got something going here, and I'm really excited about the Marlins, even though I'll always hate the freaking Marlins, but that's okay. That's, you know, past, well, this is my opinion. But this year, their lineup, they have some of the youngest players in baseball who are performing to an above-average ability, especially look at... Christian Yelich. Christian Yelich is developing into one of the top young players in the big leagues. Marcelo Zuno in center, patrolling center field has done a fantastic job over the last few seasons with the Marlins. Giancarlo Stanton had one of the worst starts of his career. Honestly, among all of National League hitters, he was one of the worst going into July. Started to pick it up recently. He's starting to look like the Giancarlo Stanton we're used to. Moving on to Martin Prado. Prado's hot He's, he's that place holder over at third base who's doing a rock-solid job over there. Danny Echeverria, sure-handed shortstop. D. Gordon's back. D. Gordon is back from his suspension. He served his PED. And now we look at what this roster is constructed as after this trade. So they get a guy in Andrew Kashner. And I'm going to be honest. Andrew Kashner isn't this top-of-the-rotation guy that you can rely on because he's inconsistent. He's been inconsistent all of his career. He's always dealing with some sort of injury. Throws hard, big time. Throws gas. Could be a, a look to be a dominant starter early in his career. Spent some time in the bullpen, but once he was traded to the Padres from the Cubs, 
They really pushed him to be a starter and didn't find much success. I mean, he had a couple good seasons. Other than that, it's just been meh. But in a new system, let's see, in a playoff push with the Marlins, maybe Kashner performs a little bit better. He's got a 4.76 ERA and 79 in the third innings this year. He's going to be a free agent after this season. So the Marlins are looking to reap the benefits of him and let him walk, most likely. Colin Ray. Colin Ray is a nice little pickup for them. It's a, it's it's kind of what the Marlins do best. You know, they 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 have to find and replenish young talent over and over again because they just don't have the payroll to compete with top of the market teams. So with Colin Ray, he's a young star. He's 25 years old. He's got only ERA pushing five right now in uh, almost 100 innings. But you look at that and you can build off of him. I think the Marlins are very happy in the return of Colin Ray. You can also use him in the bullpen because right now it looks like the starters are going to be Fernandez until they shut him down. Still have Adam Conley. He looks okay. Looks pretty good having a decent season. Then you have Cashner. Tommy Kohler is not doing very well overall. Uh, Jose Urena as well. Um, so, I mean, you can be confident in that, but I think the Marlins feel a lot better after this trade for sure. Now, Tehran Guerrero, he's... Another young prospect, kind of. He spent seven years in the minors. He's still working his way to the majors. He's had some exposure in the big leagues. Hasn't had much success, but maybe the Marlins can fix him. Maybe the Marlins can turn him into something. Maybe they can flip him. Who knows? They also got some cash, but whatever. On the other side, the San Diego Padres. Now, we look at the San Diego Padres, and we understand where they are as a, as a ball club. They they sold early, traded Drew Pomerantz to the Boston Red Sox, got a really t- a nice prospect in return for that. And also, they got some decent value in return for this trade. Carter Caps, Jared Cozart, first base prospect Josh Naylor, and Luis Castillo, as I mentioned. Carter Caps, if you all remember, he's the one who has the funky delivery as a relief pitcher. He jumps, and this, to me, it's illegal. I don't know how anybody can get away with this, because what he does is his back foot off the rubber comes off the ground, and he literally jumps forward like five or six inches at, during his delivery. And I, and I say that should be illegal because as the pitch is delivered, your back foot is, instead of the ball coming at you 60 feet, six inches away from the hitter's perspective, it's coming away, coming at you at 60, 60 feet straight up. So that's that's illegal. That's, that's kind of butchering the system right there. But hey, it works for him. He's a power arm recovering currently from Tommy John surgery. 24 years old, 1-1-6 ERA in 31 innings pitch in 2015. Looks fantastic as a reliever. Almost super dominant, but that 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 freaking motion, I can't stand it. As a hitter, I would hate it. But that's a big boost to that Padres bullpen. That's something that I'm sure they're excited about. Jared Cozart. Jared Cozart came from Houston, was traded to Miami, and you know what? He had a lot of potential. A lot of teams, a lot of scouts, a lot of people wrote up about Jared Cozart. They said that he was going to become something great. But right now, it's not looking too good now four years into his major league career. He's got an overall ERA of 369. Okay, so it's not terrible. It's not terrible. But lately, you know, 4 5 2 ERA in 2015, pushing six. He, he started the league. I'm sorry, Jared Cozart. He started the year with the Marlins at the major league club but then got sent down. Now, since Wei Yin Chen got hurt, he got called up and in four starts posted almost six ERAs, which is not very good. But now he's on a Padres team where there's no real, there's no pressure. 
He could develop into a nice little starting pitcher for the Padres. That's a rotation piece that the Padres should be excited about because I don't think he's reached his MLB potential yet. He's shown flashes, that's for sure. And in a pitcher's ballpark in San Diego, he could capitalize on it. So that's exciting for the Padres. I really I really like the deal for both sides. It makes a lot of sense. But the overall winner has to be the Marlins right now because they're getting starting rotation boost for a playoff push, obviously. And they got a nice young pitcher in Colin Ray that I feel like can develop into something better than what he is already. The return of D. Gordon. The return of D. Gordon is also going to be huge. I really do. <laughs> huge. When I say huge, it reminds me of Donald Trump. I, I digress. But I really do. I'm really looking forward to this Marlins team. I really like Christian Yelich a lot. I think he's going to be emerge as a top player in Major League Baseball, maybe even next season. It's 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 something. They got something really good going on down there in Miami, despite their restrictions in payroll and, well, quite frankly, incompetence over the last few years in their front office. But now, future look like in '97, like in '03 when they won their World Series. This is how they go for it. They get a bunch of no-names, and then they go. And they they hit on one season, and they win it. So keep an eye on the Marlins. They're definitely going to be a playoff threat. I actually consider them a bigger threat than the Mets at this point. So awesome trade. Baseball season's in full swing. I'm looking forward to what happens before the deadline. So enough with the really depressing topic of the Chicago Cubs. In my opinion, that last, I don't know, 23 minutes or so was pretty... Uh, not happy, but it had to be done, and I had to share my opinions. I hope those who have listened can understand where I'm coming from, and if you don't agree with me, that's fine. That's fine. That's the world we live in. We have multiple opinions on multiple subjects. Okay, now let's. I want to move on, and if you're still on SoundCloud listening, thank you so much. I love SoundCloud because you got everything right there, but if you're on YouTube, Welcome in, Bears fans, because this is your segment. I love talking to Chicago Bears, and that's what we're going to do to end this podcast. going to cut it a little short today, as I mentioned earlier, because I don't want to keep you here all day. And also, I got a lot of stuff planned for the trade deadline coming up on August 1st, so stay tuned for that, Bears fans. Listen up, all right? Training camp is underway, which means the preseason is so close, and I can't wait for this season. I'm just so excited, but I don't know if you guys saw this. A former... Chicago Bear, great, had been released by the Atlanta Falcons. Do the Bears go and sign him? Nope. Don't do it. No. Nope. Nope. But I wanted to bring that up because I love talking about the happy times in Chicago Bear history. Because let's face it, there's really not much. Devin Hester, all-time leader in kick returns. I think he's a Hall of Famer. Returns the opening kickoff in the Super Bowl for a touchdown. How awesome was that? thought they would definitely be able to win that game. Well, we don't have to relive it. It was rainy. Peyton Manning, it was destined for him to win that, despite the fact it was the Bears for the taking. Stupid-ass rain. I blame the rain. I blame the rain. Whatever. I'm not salty about it, because guess what? The Bears are winning the Super Bowl this year. Go ahead. Go ahead. That's fine. You could say no. But Wentz... Wentz. Carson Wentz? Once January? Is that when the... Or February? I think it's February. When February rolls around and the Chicago Bears are uh, all over your television screen and Jay Cutler's wonderful mug is captured on all of ESPN's camera. Oh, by the way, 
I don't know what your opinion is. If you can tell, I'm just going to freaking talk. I don't know where this is going. I brought up Devin Hester. I'm about to bring up Stephen A. Smith. What the hell is Stephen A. Smith even doing aloud on TV? Yeah, he's a personality that people might be able to relate to. Yeah, okay, look. Stephen A. is a smart guy. But the fact that he I, he hates Cutler. He hates him so much. And people, I don't I just... I, he he reinforces the false narrative and why people don't like Cutler, despite the fact that Cutler's shown time and time again that he can win games and he's got the talent to do so. Uh, this isn't going to turn into a I love Cutler segment, even though it could be, because I do, and he's the man, best QB in Bears history, baby. But, but like, come on, enough. I don't watch the four-letter network, the worldwide leader. I don't like bringing them up on my show because there was <laughs> there was one example. I think some major basketball trade went down and the first two on set to break down the move were my sources, Chris Broussard and Stephen A. Smith. That is unwatchable television if you ask me. So, yeah, I just I stay away from it. Guys. And this isn't supposed to be bashing the four-letter worldwide leader. I'm just saying you can find different opinions at different outlets. Just don't stick to them. Don't do it. You're going to get brainwashed. I remember one year during, I believe it was, yeah, during training camp, right around this time, it was Rex Ryan and Tim Tebow. That was it for weeks, and it never ended. Then it's LeBron, then Steph Curry, and it's just mainstream, mainstream, mainstream. Come on. Poor Barry Melrose. I really like him. He does a great job being able to break down. He knows his stuff in the NHL. Just put it that way. But he never gets any time. If He'll be lucky to get 10 minutes. Regardless. Back to the Bears. Bear with me. Get it? Pun intended. The Chicago Bears have started their training camp. And let's see. Leonard Floyd was sick. Probably because he's trying to do this diet thing and it's really hot out. And whatever. He, he was a limited participant. Kyle Long uh, left with a calf injury. He should be okay. Not too concerned. Uh, Pernell McPhee is coming off that knee surgery. He's going to be really under a microscope because we saw it last year. What the hell was Pernell McPhee doing on the field when he was hurt that badly? They didn't. They didn't need him. They were like four. Well, is it five and nine? Five and eight? Six and ten? They finished. They don't need McPhee on the field when he's hurt. Sit out, man. Stay healthy. Get better for next year. Because this is, everybody knows that in year two of a new John Fox system, they're winning the Super Bowl. It's a, it's a foregone conclusion. I don't even know why the Bears have to play this season. I mean, they should just be slated into the Super Bowl right away. But that's why they play the games, right? That's why they do it. But uh, yeah, yeah uh, come on. Chicago Bears, are they going to be in it? Possibly. We're talking realistic here. That's my optimistic side. If we did a left brain, right brain. By the way, left man, I am just going off here. Have you guys, are you guys fans of Bo Burnham? If you're fun, if you're a Bo Burnham fan, let me know in the comments because my gosh, shout out to Bo Burnham. He's fantastic. I mentioned that left brain, right brain. He did that one skit in one of his shows. It was awesome. He's really hilarious in my opinion. But what was I saying? It was something about the oh yeah, realistic expectations. Yeah, so. Mark and I did a Bears preview. We looked at the schedule, and I, I look. I think ten and six is probably good enough for a wild card. But you have to be able to beat the top teams in the NFC, 
And the Bears have a pretty favorable schedule. The beginning of it, there's first four games, first five games even, if you want to count the Lions as something. If they lose to the Lions in the first five games of the season, my goodness gracious, I might blow a gasket. Speaking of blowing gaskets, you might be able to see a lot of that this season with me because here's some foreshadowing for you. I'm going to be able to do thanks to Ricky Widmer and Mark and all the guys here at Most Valuable Podcast. I'm going to be able to do reactionary videos for you. Once the Chicago Bears win or lose, or obviously they're going to win, but I'm going to be there right away. Post-game, I'm going to have raw reaction. I'm going to break it down. I'm going to talk about it. And it's going to be a lot of fun. I am so looking forward to this Bears season. I'm excited for all the NFL coverage here on MVP. It's going to be entertaining, guys. I hope you enjoy it because we're having a lot of fun here. I don't even know what this conversation's even about. I'm just talking. And I hope that I'm not boring you to death. But I brought up Devin Hester because, man, uh, I wonder if he's going to be able to play again this season. I hope he does, to be honest. I mean, he was hurt a lot. He's dealing with a toe injury. He's getting older. I don't know how fast he is anymore, but still. Man, Devin Hester's a legend in Chicago. He will be a legend once he retires. Man, a lot of fun. A lot of fun. A lot of fun watching him return kicks. I remember when Devin Hester returned that one, the record 108-yard uh, missed field goal. Another thing, too, why do they wear those throwback, ugly-ass Bears uniforms at home with the, with the blue helmet and like the, the plain navy jersey with a gray face mask, that those are so ugly, and they keep wearing them. And I don't remember them winning, really ever when they wore that. So just please, just scrap that. Also, why did they go away from the all white on the road? Like I thought that was badass. They looked they looked sharp. I don't know. I whatever. Those are just little things. But those throwback, ugly, old uniforms, they need to go. I don't want to see them wearing those at home anymore. So any Chicago Bears people out there, let the PR staff know, you know, Chicago Bears, tell them Mike Reagan doesn't like it. But, hey, they can pander to me all they want as long as they win. That's all I'm hoping for. I really, 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 really am looking forward to this season. I'm going to cut this off short because, my gosh, this has just been one cluster of rambling that's probably stupid, but that's fine. This is behind the pen, and I can do whatever I want. Thank you all for listening. Quick shout out to our Patreon page, patreon.com backslash most valuable podcast. Become a patron. You can listen to me talk more about stuff that's whatever, relevant, irrelevant. Who knows? Regardless, I'm at Rankin906 on Twitter. You can follow me there. Also, follow us on Twitter at most valuable pod. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Like this video, comment, or dislike it. You can, whatever. That is fine. But anyway, my name is Mike Rankin. This is Behind the Pen. Thank you all for listening, and we will see you all next time. Thank you for listening to this MVP podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Most Valuable Pod for more great podcasts.